Hey, my name is Josh Walker. I'm one of the owners of Areed Investing. And today we are going to talk about the four aspects of every deal. So these four aspects are regardless of what type of deal, what the asset is. It could be multifamily. It could be an industrial deal, self-storage, you name it. This is where we start at from the highest level. We evaluate these four things, their cash flow, growth over time, tax advantages, and velocity. Velocity being how fast you get your money back. So there are certainly other things to evaluate. There's risk, there's location, and on and on and on. And those are all worth digging into after you first evaluate these four aspects of a deal. But before you start grading these different aspects, you need to understand what you're looking for. You need to understand why it even matters if one deal has more cash flow or more growth potential over time or tax advantages and on and on. So think about what you're looking for. Uh, it's easy to fall in love with cash flow heavy deals, and we do love high cash flow deals. But if that's all you ever look for, you could certainly be missing out on a ton of upside and long-term growth by eliminating even looking at some of these heavier lift deals with lower early time cash flow. Uh, think through, do you have an upcoming tax burden that you need to find a way to offset? This is one of my favorite games to play. And I do think about this 100% like a game. You need a game plan. You need a strategy. So if you have a deal that you know is going to sell sometime in the near future, maybe the sponsor has announced that they are taking it to market and they're seeing what they can get, that's a really, really good time to be looking for a high tax advantage to deal. But even if that's not the case, Remember that these tax advantages, these passive losses that you can get through depreciating these deals, you can carry forward forever. So one of the things that I like to do is invest in a lot of these on the front end and create this bank of passive losses. And then whenever you do eventually have a deal that sells, you don't even think about the tax burden. You know that you need to start thinking about replenishing that bank, but it's not a big surprise that you have to rush and find a deal. Um, are you trying to exit your W-2 job or build cash flow for another reason? It doesn't really matter what it is, but if that's the case, maybe it makes all the sense in the world to forego some of those high growth, heavy lift, low cash flow deals and focus more or maybe even exclusively on cash flow. That can be the right thing to do if that's your immediate goal. And then maybe later on you focus on more cash flow once or more growth over time once you have the cash flow where you want it to be. But maybe on the flip side, you have all the cash flow in the world. You're not worried, you're not going to live off of this money. You're not necessarily worried about redeploying it immediately. And so maybe you should just be looking for what's going to build you the most wealth over some period of time. The biggest thing I want to drive home though, is that a lot of people never take the time to sit down and figure out which types of these deals make sense to them. They just assume, Hey, I'll look at every deal and I'll know the right deal when I look at it. 
that can lead to a tremendous amount of wasted time. Don't be that guy. This is what I like to refer to as the active part of passive investing. There, there are all kinds of people that argue about nothing's really passive and you have to do your due diligence. So that's not passive. Who cares what the answer to that is? You need to do your homework. And a lot of that homework is figuring out who you are, where you want to be and how you're going to get there. So this is, there's, there's certainly a give and take with all of these. So when looking at the four aspects of a deal, you will likely, if we're rating all of these, on a scale of from from one to ten, cash flow, growth, tax advantages, and velocity, you will likely never find a deal that is pegged out at ten on all four. If you do, send it to me. It's it's almost always a give and take. Deals that have higher cash flow, especially early on, typically have less growth, and the growth might even be capped. Deals with a tremendous amount of upside often start out lower on the cash flow side. So let's start digging into each one of these. The first one that we'll talk about is cash flow. So everyone tends to love cash flow. And rightfully so, right? It feels good to get this immediate satisfaction, start putting money back in your pocket. Uh, high early time cash flow. One of the things we love about those kinds of deals is it tends to de-risk your investment. When, you know, the, the high growth deals, while they can be amazing, it puts a lot of pressure on the back end of that deal and tends to make you more reliant upon that sponsor. Now, we we are highly, regardless of, of these deals, if you're investing in syndicated deals, specifically syndicated real estate deals, you're betting on that sponsor. We've talked about the golden rule of syndications. There's no such thing as a good deal with a bad sponsor. But this weights it even more when you're relying on a heavy renovation, the timing of that renovation, them filling that multifamily asset back up and then doing a good job of selling that asset or refinancing that asset later in the life of the deal. So th these can be long-term deals. We've talked about this in the past. They're typically three to 10 year deals. Five years is a good average. But when you enter into a deal that's that long, a lot of things can change over a five year period. And you could get to year four, year five, and maybe it's all done and they're ready to sell and the market tanks. And it just does not make sense for them to sell that deal. And that's where you're going to make the majority of the return on that deal. Now, the beauty of these deals and another reason that we love them is your fallback is you just hold it longer. They've done these renovations, they've increased the rent. That's why they could sell it for that much more. So the net operating income should be significantly higher than when you initially invested in it, which means that your distributions should already be significantly higher. And maybe instead of selling the deal, they elect to refinance the deal, which can be an amazing solution. When they refinance the deal, they distribute those funds typically proportionately, there are, there are certain scenarios where they can use those funds to further improve the asset, but typically they're distributed proportionately to the investors. And that money is tax-free because that is just gaining your equity out of that deal. It cannot be taxed. So there are deals out there that are designed specifically to deliver high cash flow. These deals that have significantly higher cash flow than others typically are have a capped 
total return. So think of some of these deals like buying a stream of cash flow for a given number of years. A lot of these deals, that's how you get your investment back and that's how you get your profit. It can sometimes even be basically a fixed amount of cash flow every month for a certain number of years. The, the risk of these types of deals is that when it's over, it's over. There's typically no sale on the end. There's no capital return. You've already received your capital back. You've already received the amount of cash flow that you're going to get. So if you're living off of this cash flow, you have to know there's a cliff at the end of the deal and it's going away. So it makes a whole lot of sense to acquire that cash flow and, and redistribute that cash flow when you can into other potentially either more cash flow deals or growth over time types of deals. So the advantage of these is that the cash flow is typically very high and very predictable. If, if they are saying this is what it's going to be and it's very high on day one, there's likely not a whole lot of work that has to be done by the sponsor to create that. If they're saying, hey, by month four, when we start distributions or whenever they start distributions, this is where we expect it to be. It is typically very, very predictable. Um, but as I mentioned, the, these have typically a, either a limited or, or a cap on the multiple that you're going to get on your investment. So it's not typical to find a deal that starts out with very high cash flow. And when I say very high cash flow, I'm talking about, you know, 10, 12, 15, 20% a year and have the ability to three or four X your investment. Those typically do not come around. Uh, these deals typically involve assets that deliver high cash flow with very low operating costs. So one of the things, a good example of this is if you're investing in a fund of ATM machines, this is something that I have done multiple times and it is just like buying a stream of cash flow. I know when I put my money in, I'm going to get this much money out every month for a given number of years. It's not going to be more than that, but the odds of it being less than that are very, very low. So the other advantage of these is that you can redeploy that capital into additional deals and further compound your investment. So that, that starts leaning into what is velocity and we'll, we'll get to that at the end, but let's go ahead and transition to growth, growth over time. So growth is where you can create the greatest amount of long-term wealth. Think of growth generally as appreciation, but don't just think of it as appreciation if you do nothing, which is what we refer to as organic growth. Think of also, so think about forced appreciation. So organic is simply if you maintain the property and allow its value to increase over time. Routine maintenance, increased rents with the market. You're not necessarily renovating anything, but that's just general appreciation. Forced appreciation is a beautiful thing. So this is where an amazing sponsor can deliver exceptional returns. Multifamily, self-storage, industrial buildings, those are generally valued based on net operating income. So this is the difference between the rent coming in and the expenses going out. These are not valued on comps like a single family house. So when a sponsor improves a property, it can demand higher rents. The sponsor may also have ways to lower expenses. They can hit this on both sides. And so the combination of these two things, which an amazing sponsor can, can certainly do a great deal on both ends of this spectrum, 
can drive the net operating income up significantly, greatly increasing the overall value of the asset, along with market-driven rent increases, forced depreciation is the impact of interest rates. So in, in short, higher interest rates force property values down. Lower interest rates push property values up. So we've gotten into this in the past, but don't necessarily think of high interest rate times as a horrible time to invest in real estate. You're typically going to buy what you're paying for that asset. It's typically going to be lower in high interest rate times than any other time. Eventually those rates will come down. The sponsor can refinance that deal. They can distribute more of that money out and the value of that property has gone up because people can pay more for that asset when interest rates are low. So all of this, the, the forced appreciation side can be a very capital intensive process, meaning that early time cash flow may be suppressed and you may not see the benefits of this until the eventual refi or the or an eventual sale but know that the benefits can be amazing so now let's transition and discuss tax advantages so this is one of my favorite topics we've talked about the golden rule of syndications no such thing as a good deal with a bad sponsor the golden rule of wealth building is that taxes are your number one expense and you should develop a strategy to eliminate them and I don't just mean mitigate them. You can find ways to eliminate them. Until you do that, you're playing from behind. Know that the government incentivizes us to do certain things because they know they're good for the economy. Investing in real estate happens to be one of those things that they incentivize and they do it through tax advantages. I forget the term tax loophole. There aren't tax loopholes. That's not a thing. It's just a weird term. The tax code is just full of incentives. The government has decided we want people to do these things. And this is our way of incentivizing them to do these things. And they typically do it through depreciation. This is tax advantages are all about depreciation. This is why we highly advocate investing in real assets. You can depreciate them. You cannot depreciate a stock. It's just not a thing. So what this means is that an asset that you invest in or purchase can lose value on paper, increase value in reality, and create a stream of cash flow for you. What else would you ever want? in an investment. That combination is an amazing thing. And so many people invest in these things that are solely based on appreciation. So you're missing out on the tax advantages and you're missing out on the cash flow. Layer on top of that bonus depreciation, which allows you to pull forward a significant amount of that depreciation into year one. In 2022, you could pull forward 100% of that depreciation into year one. 2023, it's 80%. It's going to 60, 40, and 20, and eventually it's supposed to be phased out. Who knows what the future regimes will do? There's always the possibility that it will come back, but that's a thing that you can take advantage of for the next few years, and you should. So we like to find sponsors who do a whole, do their homework and focus on uh, depreciation and bonus depreciation. So 
for certain types of assets, this can mean that between the cash flow and the tax savings from depreciation, you can get a significant amount of your investment back in year one. Think about this from a number standpoint. Let's say you put $100,000 in a deal and it's got it's, it, it's high cash flow, high tax advantages. You can find this. And let's say that the, the cash flow is 20%. That's high, but it's capped, right? You're not going to have a bunch of growth over time. So let's say you can get 20% in year one. So you invest $100,000 and you get $20,000 back just through cash flow. But let's also say you can depreciate it 100%. We'll use 100%. It's 80% this year. We'll use 100% for round numbers because I'm doing this on the fly. So let's say you're in the 35% tax bracket and you have an asset that sold or you have some kind of tax liability that you're going to have to pay real money on. And it's $100,000 worth of value that you're going to have to pay taxes on. If you can depreciate it by 100%, you'll get a K-1, which is the, the tax document that you get the following year. And it's going to say negative $100,000. That means that if you were going to pay taxes on $100,000 worth of income, you can completely offset that. If you're in the 35% tax bracket, you were going to pay $35,000 in taxes because of that income. So you made $20,000 just through the cash flow. You saved $20,000 on taxes. So you made $55,000 in year one on a $100,000 investment. Those are the kinds of games that you can play if you just learn a few things and get a little bit strategic with your investments. The last thing we'll cover is velocity. So this is not something that's typically thought about too much. A lot of people uh, just kind of ignore it, but this can be one of the most powerful tools in your tool belt. So velocity is how quickly am I going to get my money back, my investment back? If I'm putting $100,000 in a deal, how long is it going to take me to get the $100,000 back? And it doesn't have to be the whole $100,000. Some of these deals are, are structured. So you get half of it back in a reasonable amount of time, really short period of time. Maybe it, the cash flow falls off and there's some growth on the back end. But how quickly am I going to get a significant amount of my investment back? So the reason that you should care about this is once you get it back, you can put it in another deal. When you do that, you still have the existing, the, the first deal. You put it in a second deal and now you've got two deals working from the same initial capital. This is an amazing way to create this snowball. It can, it can build up quickly over time. So the main thing I want to drive home is that for any of this to matter, you need to know what you want and you need to know why. So think through that write it down, and then you can start evaluating which deals fit into your strategy. Uh, we would love for you to rate and review this podcast. Also, there's a ton of information like this. If you go to areet investing, A-R-E-T-E investing.com and download your complete guide to syndicated real estate deals.